episode 36 of Dating Skills Podcast. Full confidence, dates, and sex. Build the relationships and lifestyles you really want. DatingSkillsReview.com presents a training program for dating with different world-class experts in every single episode, teaching you the secrets to their skills and success. Dating Skills Podcast, the podcast for men. Hey there, Angel Donovan here, and welcome to this week's episode. So, this week we are looking at personal boundaries. This is a pretty advanced and uh, deep topic, but it's also one that's really, really important. Now, the thing about personal boundaries are that some of you may have heard this topic around because it's been around for about 15 years uh, in places like the pickup artist industry and also the self-help industry. Um, But what you'll find is there's not really a lot of practical action-taking information out there. Really, a lot of it's abstract and intangible, so it ends up just kind of cluttering up your mind without allowing you to take any actions and do anything with it, which is not useful. It's, however, like where this stuff really comes in important, and you know, I remember like thinking about this stuff for like the past seven years, um, is in relationships. Uh, relationships with women, women you're dating, uh, the women you're meeting in bars, uh, with family, with friends, and with work colleagues. It's really everywhere in your life, and it really can make a difference in the quality, the health, and the stability of all of those relationships, and with yourself as a consequence, because it really comes back to inner game also, and we'll be talking about that in the today's interview. This is one of the trickier subjects, so look at this as more of an exploration and trying to get to the hardest kind of practical actions we can, and it's going to be an interesting discussion. The reason we're having this discussion this week and next week, this is going to be a two-part episode because it actually went on for pretty long, the interview with the guy we've got on, who is Mark Manson, because I saw a blog post from Mark Manson on his blog, Post Masculine, about personal boundaries, and I was pretty impressed. It was like, you know, really practical and actionable, much better than anything I'd seen before. So I asked him to come on and talk about it. If you don't know Mark Manson, he's been around since around 2007. Uh, In 2007, he started a company called Practical Pickup, and he he was, you know, helping guys uh, learn to pick up women in bars and so on. What's interesting is shortly after that, he decided to leave the pickup artist industry, and he's, he's kind of been pushing back against it, and he's been working on something he calls rational self-help for men and this helps them with dating and also other parts of their lives and some of his advice goes against the typical stuff you've read about in the pickup artist industry so it's going to be an interesting discussion he's been on cnn nbc news and the huffington post amongst others so it's great to have him on dating skills podcast before we get started i have a problem i'd like you to help me with so Right now, we're investing, I'm investing a lot of time in this podcast, about two days per per week it takes to do all the audio production, the recording, the interviews and everything. It takes quite a bit of time. And I'm not sure, I'm not really sure how much value we are delivering to you with the podcast so far. So I'm wondering if I should keep on investing this time in the podcast or should I spend it potentially elsewhere where we can get a better return on in, on investment in terms of making a difference to you, right? Delivering value to you. Because at the end of the day, this podcast, this is for you. This is your show. This is something we've put together to help you with your life. So if it's not making a really big impact or maybe it's not answering your questions, then maybe it's better if we spend our time doing reviews or, you know, we... we we produce other types of content for you to help you. So what I would like you to help me with is to decide whether you know I'm going to carry on working with this or potentially do something else. What I really need is some feedback because this I don't I, I can only guess as to how useful this is for you. I I don't know. So please like take a moment right now to give us some feedback about what your thoughts are. Is this helping you? Can we do something else with it? Can we make it better? Like, well, whatever you think about this podcast and if, if it's helping you. The ways you can do that, there's two ways to do it. 
You can write a review on iTunes and, and just give us your feedback that way. Or you can put a comment on the podcast episode page on Dating Skills Review. So an easy way to find both of those, especially if you don't know iTunes too well, is if you go to datingskillsreview.com slash DSP, that's an abbreviation for Dating Skills Podcast, so DSP free six. That will take you to the podcast page where you can comment and leave your feedback there. Or if you scroll down the page, there's also a red button uh, which says submit review to iTunes on it. You click that, it'll take you straight to the review page and you can just write your comment in there and it's pretty straightforward. So thank you very much for helping us out with that. You know, it's, it's really for you. We need your feedback to know what we can do best to serve you and help you. Of course, on that page, on the podcast page, so slash DSP36 on Dating Skills Review, they have all the show notes. You have the transcript, you have the download MP3, and uh, we'll also put links to anything that we talk about on the show. So you can find that all on that page. Now let's get to the meat of the podcast, the interview. Here we go. So, Mark, good to have you on the show. Where the hell are you right now? Uh, I'm actually I'm in Brazil at the moment. Wow, that's that's good. Is that is that is that a place you hang out often, or is it just for a little while? Uh, I've actually I've been living here for about eight months now, and um, I'll be here probably to the end of summer, and then um, and then I will head out of here because my visa will expire. Aha, uh-huh, the old visa problem. I know that well. Uh, so, uh, so basically, your lifestyle these days is traveling a lot. Do you, do you tra- travel permanently, or is this is this something you do part of the year? Uh, yeah, I've been living the the mobile lifestyle. The some people call it the digital nomad lifestyle for uh, almost four years now. So uh, I haven't had a permanent home, but um, I have been slowing down a bit more and spending um, six to twelve months in each place okay. the last. Two years or so. What's the reason for that? Why why do you think you're slowing down and spending more time in different places? Um, because it mainly, I mean, when you start this lifestyle, it's very exciting. Um, you know, just the, the prospect of being able to go anywhere in the world you want at, uh-huh. at the drop of a hat uh, is is really exciting and um, it's very thrilling. There, there's kind of there's a rush to it. Yeah. Um, as time goes on, though, um, it's uh, there's kind of a diminishing returns on it. Um, so, you know, each new country you go to or, or each new like tour site you see or whatever, um, you know, when you've already seen 20 or 30 of them, that the 31st is kind of less spectacular. Right. Um, and so some of the drawbacks start to kick in, which is, you know, if you're bouncing around every month or every three weeks, um, you know, you, you kind of have a lack of, uh, ties and relationships and community to mm. to uh, you know keep keep you emotionally uh, in a good place and 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 happy. So um, a couple of years ago, I decided I was like, you know, I I, I want to because um, I, I looked back and I realized that some of my best memories and experiences came in places that I spent more time in. So and they usually had to do with people I met wherever I went. So mm. I decided that I was going to slow down and start investing a little bit more time in building relationships with locals and, and getting kind of more enmeshed in, in the culture. And, uh, and I've been really happy with it. So it's, it's been, uh, I think I've found a perfect balance in terms of new and exciting places. And then also like creating a nice social foundation. Yeah. I, I, I actually, I kind of agree with everything you've said there. You know, I've been wandering around for a long time as well and uh, I've spent more time, these days, you know, in, in one place for, and I wanted to touch, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's friendships and everything, but it's also dating, uh, you know, lifestyle, obviously it affects you. So what, what kind of like, you know, how's your dating lifestyle been over the last yeah. four or five years and how is it today? <laughs> well, it, it's, it's, it's varied quite a bit, actually. I mean, I was in a committed relationship before I started traveling Yeah. Uh, for two years. So then when I, when I started traveling, um, you know, the fact that I was single again on top of the fact that I was in all these new places and all these new women and all these new experiences, mm. um, I, I kind of went on a run there for a while um, for about two years where I was just partying, hooking up all the time, 
um, lots of casual flings and, and new experiences and new girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then again, it's interesting, kind of, it's, it's actually a similar effect as the traveling. It's like after a while that gets a little bit old, you know, it's like after so many girls, like another fling isn't that exciting or, or enriching. So, um, I began to kind of slow down with, the women as well and, and to spend more time with each one and get to know them a little better. Yeah. Um, and then about a year ago, uh, I met a girl down here in Brazil, um, dated her while I was here and then left for about six months, five or six months. Mm. And she and I kept in touch and she and I developed a really strong connection. So I told her that I'd come back and, and we'd see how things go- went. And so now she's my girlfriend and, uh, we've been together well, like I said, we met a little more than a year ago. and we, We've been together seriously for about um, nine months or so now. Okay, great. That sounds, that sounds great. Sounds like you're you, you've had a, you've had a, a good fun time, and now uh, you know you've you found a girl that you're really interested to, uh, in, and you wanna wanna stay with for a while. I'm kind of in the same place myself, so I, I totally get where you're where you're at. Yeah, no complaints. How old are you, by the way? Because these kind of things like they vary by age, you know, like different motivations yeah absolutely I'm, I'm 29 and i've noticed that um you know it, when i was in my early 20s it was i was all about um the excitement and the thrill and and uh you know sleeping with a lot of women and um you know doing all sorts of crazy things and having crazy sexual experiences and and i've noticed you know i still kind of have a little bit of a wild streak in me but um as the years, as I, as I, as the years go by, uh, I feel myself calming down a little bit and, uh, my priorities are slowly shifting away from kind of the thrill seeking and the excitement more to, um, like a stable emotional fulfillment, right. um, and, and, and just kind of relationship happiness. Yeah. So I, I know you're into weights as well and, uh, I, I am too. And so I just wanted to touch on this, this thing because I think there's like, Two components uh, to that kind of change. Uh, Adrian, I'm I'm a lot, I'm a bit older. I'm 38, um, but you know I, I kept up a weights program and I've actually modified it over time uh, to kind of give my hormones a kick. And I, I've noticed that I can that can impact what what I kind of want to do. You know, or what I feel like because it's kind of got this biological level. Like typically when we age, you know, our testosterone gets lower over time. But you can tweak that a bit with, you know, your nutrition and your, your fitness and, and how you're approaching that. Um, and I found personally that, you know, that can kind of impact the kind of lifestyle I want in a way as well. You know, am I more interested in seeing more girls or maybe I'm more interested in, in a relationship with a highly sexual girl or maybe I'm more you know interested in focusing on work um, and so on. And then the other side of it is maybe the experience side, which you touched on earlier, is like, you know, there's, there comes a time when you've seen so many girls and, you know, and maybe get just a little bit old um, and you kind of want to focus on something a bit, a bit different uh, for a while. Uh, how would you relate to those two points? Uh, well, you know, I've worked out, um, I've done, I've worked out with weights for pretty much all my twenties at this point. Um, and so, um, and I haven't really, I mean, it's been pretty consistent. So I don't know. I, I can't really comment on that just because that hasn't really been a variable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's always been present. Um, so it, if that is contributing, you know, if that's pumping more testosterone into me and that's making me hornier or, or more thrill seeking, um, you know, I, I, I can't comment on that. But, um, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, these things are, I, I personally, I believe these things are a little bit complicated. Everybody's wired a little bit differently. Everybody has somewhat different uh, emotional needs or, or different preferences of, of how they approach getting their needs met. So, um, and and it's funny because you know for a long time I I would, and, and I think a lot of guys do this too. Is you know you you get this idea that you know oh I have to be a ladies man or I have to be you know or a lot of no, normal guys. Um, uh, like I have to have a girlfriend or I have to be married by a certain age or whatever. And, and that we kind of just accept these ideas of, of what is supposed to be right for us. And, um, you know, a big thing for me was uh, a few years ago was, you know, just kind of letting go of um, 
of what of like my own expectations of, of what I should be doing or what I, what I need and, and just kind of pay attention to how it felt, you know? So it's, as soon as the, the rampant casual sex started feeling less fulfilling, that's kind of when I started to switch off of it. Um, and, and, you know, having a committed relationship felt better for me. And, you know, there, there could be a point like there was in the past where that switches back and suddenly, you know, I want to go out and, uh, have rampant crazy sexual adventures. And, you know, if that happens, I'll follow that. But, um, I think, uh, um, you know, we, we're all wired a bit differently and, and we all need, uh, different things at different times and, and that's fine. Yeah, totally, totally. Great points, man. Okay, well, well, the topic, you know, I, I got you on here for today, uh, that I hit you up for was, uh, about, it's about an article that you wrote on your blog about personal boundaries. Uh, you wrote it at the beginning of this year and it caught my eye because personal boundaries, or sometimes they're called boundaries, has been talked about at least as long as I've been around. It's like 12 years or so in the community, um, and, you know, in, in self-help stuff. Um, maybe much, you know, probably much longer, but I've seen very, very little hard practical advice on what to do about them, and honestly, some of it's kind of conflicting as well. Uh, the, t- the typical advice is, you know, kind of to have strong personal boundaries, but that is very abstract and hard to grasp, so it doesn't really tell us a lot. I've seen a lot of confusion amongst even the people writing about it as well, you know, because, you know, people have different ideas of what boundaries are and what they're for. Um, even So you could even say they're different topics. So uh, I think a good way to start with is to a uh, definition of personal boundaries. And in your article, you gave, you know, this definition. So uh, healthy personal boundaries are equal to taking responsibility for your own actions and emotions while not taking responsibility for the actions or emotions of others. Uh, what, would, what would you add to that uh, to, to build on it and to explain it uh, more clearly? So I think there, there are kind of two ways to, to look at boundaries. And I, I agree this is an important topic that hasn't really been treated um, with a lot of depth over the years, but, um, you know, as time goes on and the more I work with people, the more important I find it is to, um, to kind of healthy emotional and and, and emotional lives and and a successful dating life. So the way I defined it in that article was, was taking responsibility for your own actions and emotions while not taking responsibility for the actions and emotions of others. Now, one thing that's really important where I think people start slipping up is um, when they assume uh, shit. I don't even know where to start with this. Um, when people start assuming that other people uh, are responsible for their problems, not only does this introduce uh, manipulation or, or uh, drama into a relationship, but um, it also actually I. I find lowers uh, a man's self-esteem. So, um, you know, let's say that uh, you and I were hanging out one night and some girl came and talked to me and I was talking to her and I said something stupid and she got annoyed and walked off. Uh, And then I turned around and blamed you for making me nervous. Um, Now, that's actually like a very common kind of situation in a lot of people's friendships and relationships mm. and but but it's completely unfair to you because it's basically what's happening is i'm not taking responsibility for my own emotions my own anxiety and i'm not taking responsibility for overcoming that anxiety and acting despite it um and as, and basically what i'm doing is instead of accepting that responsibility and accepting that failure onto myself i'm placing it onto you and that introduces a lot of conflict a lot of drama and what it would do is it would introduce manipulation into our relationship. So it's a lot of these unhealthy, um, like a lot of these unhealthy things that, that, that men see in their relationships and their interactions with women or, or even their friends, mm-hmm. um, I find actually has a root, is rooted in simply not taking responsibility for what you've said or done or felt 
and the other person not taking responsibility for what they've said or felt or done. Now, the flip side of that, and a lot of people fall into this as well, is that um, are the people, and, and these people tend to be like people pleasers or, uh, uh, you know, like chronic nice guys who are always trying to, um, you know, make a girl happy or, or whatever, mm-hmm. who basically take responsibility for other people's problems. Um, they're like a they're like a fixer. They go around trying to fix other people. And uh, again, this this leads to a lot of surface level problems. You know, it's like if you're having, let's say, you and again, you and I are hanging out, and you're having a problem in your personal life, and suddenly I decide that it's my responsibility to fix your personal problems. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to feel intruded upon. You're going to feel like uh, I'm controlling and overbearing. Um, and it's just going to generate a lot of resentment and, again, a lot of manipulation um, between the two parties. And, and you know, basically a lot of this surface-level stuff, a lot of the game playing, a lot of the, the anger and the drama that happens um, really starts with this core component. Um the other, so that, like you said, that's very theoretical and kind of abstract. Um, the way boundaries or the way I typically teach boundaries is is in terms of, like, it, it establishing them clearly. Hmm. Um, and because, because a lot of men have boundaries, but they don't establish them. So let's say, give you another example, a very common example. Let's say that I personally... Let's say that my boundary is that I expect people to respect my time. So, for instance, you know, if I'm going to go on a date and the date is scheduled for 7 o'clock and she agrees for 7 o'clock, uh, I expect her to show up at 7 o'clock. Now, what happens sometimes? Sometimes she shows up at 7.30, 7.45, she calls and cancels at the last minute. Um, and what do, what do most, most people or most men with <laughs> dating problems do is they're like, oh, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Um, basically, they're they're just they're giving away their boundaries. They're not setting a, a strong boundary there. Um, and so, what I found is one of the, the key or crucial things in, in situations like that is to tell them, say, look, uh, I I don't have all night. I expect you to respect my time. If you're not going to be here, then I'm just going to go home. And actually saying that to her or actually calling her and telling her that or just going home. And um, there are few, you know, so many men are kind of caught in, in this um, in this frame of like chasing and doing like I've got to make her like me. I've got to make her attracted to me. I've got to make her uh, I've got to make the date perfect and I've got to. Uh, do all these things so that she'll have sex with me, that they, they completely forget about their boundaries. They completely forget to stand up for themselves and to treat themselves as, with, with respect. Right. Well, Which I, makes them unattractive. Right, right. Well, actually, when I, you know, when I, was, when I was thinking about this earlier, like the, the example you just, the last example you just brought up, which was you know, setting boundaries with other people, which sounds more like, when I, when I think about it, it sounds like, uh, standards for the behaviors you accept and don't accept uh, with others. And also, some people describe it as respect versus disrespect or, you know, dissing. So, kind of like in the gangster world, like, you know, someone dissed me, there's a, it's a big thing, big thing there. And, you know, they have boundaries, for example, in that world where you could say sometimes it's too severe, right? Maybe, maybe you look at a guy the wrong way and he gets really upset with you and he starts trying to assert his boundaries on you like so you know this this type of basically it's kind of like a res- respect line of you know how you treat me um it is one of the ways i i've seen that people talk about it but you know again not so clearly over over the years um are there are there two scenarios where you you have to be careful not to go too far in how you assert yourself and and where you leave this respect line versus the other side which is you know what you're saying earlier which is where you know yeah. I let someone walk over me and they can disrespect me they can do whatever they want and I'm not going to say anything I'm going to say yeah that's fine yeah absolutely um and this is this is really the crucial point so people 
there are two ways that you can kind of, so well, let me start with the right way to go about boundaries. Mm-hmm. Right way about, to go about boundaries is to respect your own boundaries and, and establish your own boundaries and also respect other people's boundaries. Now, that's actually, that requires, that's hard for most people to do because it requires them to both respect themselves and respect the other person at the same time. Um, people with, people who are particularly, you know, lack confidence or uh, are insecure about themselves fall into one of two camps. Either they only respect the other person's boundaries and spend all of their time trying to please the other person, mm-hmm. or they only respect their own boundaries and infringe on other people's boundaries and break other people's boundaries and try to dominate other people's boundaries. Right. And both of them are rooted in the same kind of, well, in the same insecurity and low self-esteem because the, the person who only respects the other person's boundaries and all, it is always trying to make the other person happy and sacrificing their own, them, their identity to make the other person happy is basically they feel inadequate and they don't feel like they're good enough. And so they're trying to constantly uh, meet the other person's standards. And, you know, this is where you get this chasing behavior and it, and it makes them ultimately it signifies inadequacy and it makes them very unattractive. On the flip side, what you, you described and what I, I refer to in my work is overcompensation is the people who only respect their own boundaries and try to dominate other people's, uh, they have the same insecurity. They have the same feeling of, of inadequacy and inferiority, but they're trying to overcompensate by trying to constantly prove that they're superior to others. Right. And so this ultimately, uh, you know, it ultimately backfires. It makes, it basically makes them an asshole and, uh, it makes them unenjoyable to be around. So you have one guy who kind of becomes a put that people walk over and people say like, Oh yeah, Jim, he's a great guy. We all like him, but like nobody really respects him and women aren't attracted to him. And then you got the other guy who is just like a raging dickhead and is trying to run over people all the time and people don't really like to be around him. But, um, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, uh, you know, sometimes they're able to impose their will enough to get what they want from other people. Right, right. So it, it sounds like there's, maybe I'm not seeing the connection, you know, completely here, but there's, there's, it's like two topics, really. There's uh, the aspect of taking responsibility for emotions and actions, so on your behalf and, you know, letting letting other people live their lives, basically, and not trying to take responsible responsibility for them. Um, but then there's, I mean, I guess it's, it, I guess from the, and then there's from the other part is like, uh, basically a balance of, and a, and a healthy way to relate to other people, you know, um, and to make sure that they relate to you in the right way as well. Do you see these two areas as complete, you know, one and the same thing or are they, are they kind of separate ways of looking at it? I think like, I, I do think, I, I think they're born out of the same thing. And this, this is the interesting thing, right? So w- when you look at men, actually, let's back up. If you look at women who complain about men's behavior, what are all women's complaints? They're either that guys are too weak and they're pushovers or that guys are assholes and disrespectful. And I, even though these, these behaviors are polar opposite from one another, mm-hmm. Like I said, they're both they're both born out of the same insecurity and the feeling of not being good enough. And what's interesting and what I've found over the years working with a lot of men is that men these men will go back and forth from one polarity to the other. So, and and actually a good example is a lot of the uh, and we and I know you want to talk about this in a little bit, but a good example is a lot of the pickup artist stuff. So the pickup artist community a lot of the advice uh, is marketed and sold to men who have, well, let's call them the nice guy and, and the narcissist. That's, uh-huh. I think that's an easy way to refer to them. So pickup artist stuff is, is, is marketed to the nice guy, the nice guy who never asserts himself, who becomes every woman's best friend, who's always trying to make everybody happy, um, who doesn't have any confidence around people. And the pickup artist community gives that guy a lot of advice that basically tells them, you know, no, you're the man. She has to work for your approval. 
um, you know, you're high status, you're higher value than her, you know, you need to make her feel insecure, you need to make her feel like she's not as good as you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you have to be dominant, you have to be alpha, you have to be, you know, you have to lord the club, and all, all, all of these terms and all of these behaviors. And, and it's basically, they encourage, they encourage men to adopt a lot of these kind of narcissistic behaviors where they only assert their own boundaries and don't pay attention to what the woman is feeling or what the woman thinks. Um, and you see this all over the place. I mean, whether it's, you know, it's like if she rejects you, you have to plow through it. Oh, she doesn't want to have sex with you. It's just, it's anti-slut defense. You have to like tell her this or that or the other, um, you know, flakes on you, text her 10 times this and this and this. Um, you know, it's, it, you consistently see a disregard for the woman's boundaries and, and this advice. And so, um, and the re- and the thing is, is that it's actually, you know, it, it's e- what often, well, what often happens too is that men adopt this advice, they get laid, mm-hmm. and then, you know, say they meet a girl they really like, and they try to get into a relationship with her, and then what happens? Nice guy comes roaring back, because, you know, it, basically he's been there all along. It's been, it's, it's the same low self-esteem, and so. Over the years, I've seen guys go back and forth between these two things over and over and over again. Um, the real issue here, the real uh, important thing to address is actually the, the, the man's self-esteem, his feeling of inadequacy. Because when a man feels like he's good enough, when a man feels like he's genuinely on the same level as all the women he meets and all the women he talks to, mm-hmm. he is A, able to stand up for himself without anxiety or without fear, and B, he's able to respect her desires and her wishes without anxiety and without fear, without feeling threatened or without feeling inferior. Okay, so you're saying uh, when when someone has a good self-esteem, you know, because I've been thinking about balance as, as, you've, been, as you've been talking about, about these concepts, because you can go too far one way or too far the other way. Um, but when you have a healthy self-esteem, you, are you saying that you naturally get that balance in in the way you treat other people, and and you know you're, you're not being too harsh, you're not you're not being too weak, and you've just got that healthy balance, which is you know appropriate. Right, right. Balance is is absolutely one way to look at it, and it's um, you know, and it, the the way I usually describe it is the key here is to you know most men have the problem with that they don't respect themselves around women enough, mm-hmm. and that's why they're not attractive. And then a lot of other men only respect themselves and don't respect women, mm-hmm. and that's a lot of women's complaints. The trick here is to respect yourself and respect women, and that is actually surprisingly hard to do because there's a lot of you know sexual right. shame in our culture, and and you know and there's a lot of um, objectification of both men and women that goes on. And so that's actually the trick. The trick is to respect your own needs and desires and also respect hers. And so that means not chasing, not trying to convince her or twist her arm into doing something that you want her to do, but at the same time, um, standing up for yourself and, um, you know, caring ab- about what she wants and what she needs, but also when you reach that point where you're, where you're no longer willing to accommodate that, like stand up for yourself as well. Um, and it's, I mean, there's a reason that this, this topic is so hard to talk about right. because it's like, <laughs> because it, it, it's like you said, it's very abstract, but it's also, it's also, there are almost no good role models for this in our yeah. culture. And I think, there, and I, I think, you know, personally that even guys who have been studying this for years and are doing really well, they still struggle. Everyone I know, like, Still has problems with boundaries. Uh, pretty much everyone I, I know across the board still has sometimes these problems with boundaries. Or I'd say I'd look at other situations where I, I guess they feel like they're putting those boundaries exactly where they want each time. But for, for me, I look from a bit outside perspective. And I'm like, well, that's not that's not really healthy long term. You know, yeah. uh, not for you, not for the girl. And you often see those relationships kind of like crash and burn or become drama, distracting relationships, which you you touched on in you know, in your article. So um, I, I, I do think it's incredi- incredibly complicated, but, uh, you know, your, your article does help to make some sense of it. And uh, um, there's another thing you said, which I think kind of covers what 
you know the, the stuff you were you were you were saying in, in in one phrase is personal boundaries are a side effect of having a healthy self-esteem yeah. and a general low level of neediness with people around you so uh to use i mean in the pickup artist community uh something that has been you know pushed around for a while is not being reactive and when I kind of read that, I was thinking, well, neediness, obviously, it's like you, when you're not needy, you're not reactive, right? So is, it, is that a way we can we can simplify and look at it in a way? It's like if you're not being reactive, uh, you know, you're setting these personal boundaries in a more healthy way. Are you, you know, are you just looking after yourself, your own emotions and actions without, like, verging onto the other person's if you're not being reactive? I think um, the reactive advice has been around for a while, and, and I think it, it's, it gets at the issue, but I don't think it completely gets there, and this is the reason. It's because, like I said, you know, if you, if you take the stance that I never react to her, mm-hmm. I only act on my own, um, there's an implication there in that basically... Uh, there's kind of there's there's a there's an inflexibility there in terms of you know I'm not going to let my my values and and my perceptions and 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 what I want be affected by her. Um, so let's say for instance you're uh, you're on a date with a girl. I mean this is a really extreme example, yep. but this kind of I think this this shows kind of the flaw with with using that word using reactive. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say you're on a date with a woman and um, it's going pretty well or whatever. And, and she suddenly gets a call and she finds out her brother's been in a car accident is in a, in a coma in the hospital. And she just becomes a blubbering emotional mess. And, you know, there is nothing you can do in that moment that <laughs> like anything you can do in that moment that is not reactive makes you basically inhuman. Like <laughs> if you're going to be like, well, She's crying and like can't even stand up because she's so distraught, but I'm not going to be reactive. I'm going to be alpha and I'm going to be over here and I'm going to like say this and try to distract her or whatever. Uh, it, you know, the only right answer in a situation like that is to go and hold her and make her feel better is to be reactive to her needs in that moment. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, the, the reason, um, uh, you know, the reason you need to be reactive sometimes is because Sometimes your own needs overlap or like your own values and needs overlap with somebody else's values and needs. So like, for instance, one of my values is that I care about people and I treat them well. And so if I'm in that situation, then being reactive fulfills my value, Mm -hmm. fulfills my belief of what I should be doing. Um, So the reactivity thing and, 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 the other the other problem I see with the reactive thing is that, you know, again, guys, a lot of men who come for dating advice, one of the big problems they have is that they're very unaware of subcommunication. They only see surface level behaviors and words. And so when they hear the non-reactive thing, you have to be non-reactive, you have to be non-reactive. I've seen a lot of guys go out and, and they basically, they turn in, they try to like turn into statues or like, like monks, you know, it's like right. nothing that... Nothing she says matters. Like he only is like, you know, focusing on his own thoughts and, and ideas. Right. Um, well, I've I've seen you know I, I've seen that a lot too. And what it what it actually looks like is that the guy's kind of like scared because he's scared of doing anything. You, you see what I mean? Yeah. When you take it to an yeah. extreme like that, um, basically you're you're kind of scared of acting because you figure everything's a reaction and you end up doing nothing and then, you know, <laughs> that yeah. doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and without getting too philosophical, I mean, you could easily argue that all of our actions are reactions, you know, to the stimulus in our environment and, and previous experiences and stuff like that. So, um, like I said, I, I think it, it gets the reactivity thing. It, it's good in that it gets to it. It, it kind of gets men to think I should act on my own values, not necessarily on her values. So I, I think it's good at kind of pushing them off that nice guy polarity and more towards the, the center, but I, I don't think it describes the center accurately. So how do you, like, like you know, to, to kind of bring it, you know, back to guys and, and, and their problems and kind of what, what they're thinking about is, how, how does a guy with healthy personal boundaries 
operate you know how does how does it how do personal boundaries help you to attract women and what would be a good example of of that you know because you know, are they important to attracting women absolutely absolutely because so attraction basically um and I, I this is kind of what my entire book is about is that as people and as guys who are familiar with with the community know is that uh, female attraction is based on the perception of status. It's based on the perception that uh, this man is, you know, high status or, you know, whatever. Um, and, but the interesting thing about the whole status thing, you know, and a lot of dating advice spends a lot of time, like, you gotta dress high status and you gotta, like, have high status body language and you have to tell these cool stories that imply that you're high status and all this stuff, and that's fine. The thing that I think gets lost in all this is that people, and there's tons of psychological research that backs this up, is that people, when we meet each other, Hmm. unconsciously, we, we unconsciously evaluate each other, and the way we evaluate each other is that we basically, we, we, judge the other person based on how they perceive themselves or we perceive the other person based on how they perceive themselves. Mm. So to give you an example, like have you ever, the example I give a lot is like, if you think about like your group of guy friends, like a group of guy friends, you know, there's like, there's always one guy who just gets picked on all the time. And you, like, and sometimes you think like, why is it him? Why him? Um, You know, it's like nobody ever sat down and like had a committee like, Oh, we're going to pick on that guy. Um, it's just as humans, we're wired to, to pay attention to how people see themselves. And then we perceive, perceive, proceed to treat them that way. And so the, the argument I make in my book is that, you know, for you, if you, if a woman is going to perceive you to be her equal or to be attractive, uh, or, or to be higher status than her, then you need to perceive yourself to be her equal. And the biggest problem in our culture with men is that we are we grow up being conditioned to feel inferior to women or women's sexuality. Um, we're taught that it's something to achieve, something to work for. Mm-hmm. Um, so where boundaries fit into all of this, and kind of getting back to the example I started with, you know, the woman showing up late. When you assert your boundary with a woman, what you are implying there when you assert that boundary is that you are asserting that you value yourself as much or more than you value her opinion of you. And what that sub communicates to her is that you perceive yourself to be a high status individual. And that's where the the generation of attraction comes from. Um, I've had, I I give a few examples in my books, but I've had tons of situations uh, where I've asserted my boundaries and I actually really upset the woman but I still made, like, she still became attracted to me. Like, this is the thing. Most men don't, like, nice guys don't assert their boundaries because they're afraid of upsetting a woman or making her angry or offending her. But on the contrary, what happens is when you show that you're willing to upset a woman or offend her right. because of your own values, she respects you more, she pays attention to you more, and she's attracted to you more. Um, and so... You know, I'll, I'll just give you one one example. Um, it's you know there you, there's a lot of in, in Western culture there's a lot of flirting through teasing and a lot of kind of mind games and head games and you kind of go back and forth or whatever. Um, and I was talking to a girl once in a bar and you know she was like very sarcastic, very just kind of busting on me a lot and you know within a couple minutes it started to get really annoying you know the first few times it's like i joked with her and teased her back or whatever and then after a few minutes it's like i'm like this is annoying uh and one of my values is that i don't enjoy you know i discovered living in other cultures i don't enjoy picking up girls who are like really bratty and sassy and have these attitudes Hmm. so i don't tolerate that um and so i was talking to this girl and she's like being very sarcastic and kind of bratty. Um, she was very attractive. And she said something like just really flippant, flippant and kind of rude. 
you know, she said something like, like I said something about, you know, like hanging out. Like I, I think I said something about hanging out with her later and she was like, yeah, if you're lucky. And I looked at her and like, I just cut through all the bullshit. And I said, I looked at her and I said, do you like me? And she's like, what? And I'm like, are you attracted to me? Yes or no? And she was like, yeah, why? And I said, okay, then stop acting like you're not or else I'm going to leave. And like her, her mouth dropped <laughs> and she looked at me like, and she, she actually like, you could see her like, she was confused, but she started, she was like, well, fine. You don't have to be a dick about it. And I'm like, no, look, I, I, I'm not, I'm not being a dick. I'm just letting you know that if you're going to pretend like you don't, I was like, look, if you don't like me, tell me, but don't pretend like you don't when you do. Otherwise I'm going to leave. And she calmed down and it was like the attraction just went through the roof. Like, and she not, and no more sarcasm, no more like, you know, bitching and playing games and like talking to other guys. Like, I mean, she was mine and that was it. But the thing is, I mean, that, and that's a success story for every time that's happened. I'll say that to a girl, her jaw will drop and she'll be like, you're an asshole and she'll walk away. But when that happens, that's good because that's not a woman I'm going to enjoy being with anyway. And it gives me time to go meet a woman I am going to be, I am going to enjoy being with. So that's a tangible example of respecting myself and asserting my values and asserting my boundaries uh, in a way that generates strong attraction. Right. Now, I, I know exactly, you know, the, the types of girls you're talking about, like sassy, feisty, um, you know, they you, know, you tend to meet more in clubs. Um, and, you know, some guys would say that they like that, that, you know, that that's a lot of fun um, to be with those girls because it's, it's a, you know, they're, they're playfully, like, um, basically hitting on each other um, the whole time and, yeah. you know, the banter, you know, they'll call it banter and they'll say, like, it's, it's like, it's like a semi-argument, but it's not really. Um, and what, what you see is that, you know, if those, if those two people get together, then the relationship will continue in that fashion, right? It will have a lot of peaks and troughs and, uh, you know, it will tend to be passionate. Would you agree with that? Like people will label yeah. it as pa a passionate relationship rather than a, a, they wouldn't call it a stable, like steady relationship. It would be more like, oh, this is their passion. You know, they, those guys have a lot of passion. It's a very passionate kind of t type of relationship. Right. It, it's well, and the thing is, is really interactions like that are very difficult to escalate because, you know, one, one of the contradictions is that, you know, if you are, are doing the whole like indirect thing, like trying to make her think that you don't like her when you do and all this stuff, right. Then, then escalating, like trying to kiss her or, or asking her out or something like that really sabotages that whole thing. So the more you get invested in this whole like, you know, battle of wits between one another, um, the, the more difficult you make it to escalate. But what, what you said is, is a really good point as well. And, and I actually wrote an article about it, um, back in January. It's actually, I called it the, uh, the dismal state of flirting in Western culture. Okay. And, um, basically what I, what I talked about is that in Western culture, we, we are expected to show interest and affection for one another through sarcasm, through teasing, through irony, through like these indirect methods. And, um, the argument that I made is, is exactly what you're talking about is that, what that does is it leads to unstable relationships. And the reason it leads to unstable relationships is a, there's always a perception of a power struggle. So that both people are trying to constantly one up each other. When, if you're going to have a stable long-term relationship, both people need to treat the, each other as like 50, 50 equals, hmm. um, equal respect and equal, equal admiration and stuff like that. So you're, you're saying uh, that you're, you're saying that all healthy relationships should be 50-50 in terms of respect and, and power. Yes. Which, by the way, I, I should differentiate that. I don't, that doesn't mean I think that, you know, men should do 50% of the housework and men, women should make 50% of the money. I, I don't mean 50-50 in behavior, mm -hmm. but I mean 50-50 in respect and like willingness to listen to one another, right. compromise, well, well, so the way, um, so the way I, I like to think about that is, uh, you're a team, right? It's, yeah. you know, you're working together to build this better life together. 
Um, in, in any case, even if it's a kind of loose relationship, you know, um, you don't see each other so often, then you're still working together to have fun when you see each other, you know, even if you're not yeah. working on such serious stuff and a lot long-term stuff. Yeah, actually, um, a female friend of mine once said that uh, seduction is a team sport, not a competition, and right. I love that. Um, but uh, but the the other issue with uh, getting back to the whole like sparring, verbal sparring thing, hmm. um, is that it muddies communication. So it it you create a precedent where you're not really either able to say what you actually think or mean without mm. being judged or having this like power battle go on. Um, or you, you never learn how, how to actually communicate yourself authentically and honestly. Um, and one of the things that I pointed out in that article is that if you look around the world, um, divorce rates in English speaking countries are far higher than any other culture. And I really think it, it, it's that because we treat sex I mean, we approach sex through misdirection and sarcasm and irony and, and actually even, like, insulting one another. Um, and so I, I do think it has a lot of uh, deleterious effects um, on our relationships further down the road. So this kind of comes around to a point. Does this say anything about the way we should relate to women, like, or the way we judge them in general? You know, but basically our overall perspective on women, you're saying we should uh, look at them as equals, whereas... The, most of the pickup artist um, approaches tend to be this dominant, like the the object is to dominate and con- dominate and control the situation. Uh, would you say that right. that's, that's wrong? Because you know, I, I know a lot of the guys. I, I know that that I would say they're dominant in their relationships. And what would right. you say is unhealthy about that? Well, first of all, it kind of gets into what what do you mean by dominant? But let me ask you this first. Um, you know, let's say you had a job and let's say that one of your coworkers came in every day and tried to dominate the other coworkers and tried to get, tell the co- other coworkers what to do, how to do it, when they should do it and consistently like tease them or made them feel insecure or made them feel uncomfortable around them. Um, you would probably say that coworker is, is, a, insecure, and B, overcompensating, right? Right. Yeah. Um, so that's basically what I think of guys who feel they have to do that. Now, when you say being dominant in a relationship, um, I think, again, it gets back to the 50-50 thing and the, the team sports thing. So, for instance, people, men, men and women generally tend to have different needs. Uh, and couples therefore fit together in, in different ways. So when you say I have friends who are generally dominant in their relationships, um, what that means is that they may be dominant in those, in, in the aspects of the relationship that you see. Generally speaking, men tend to be more dominant in relationships when it comes to, say, decision making or, you know, finance or whatever. Um, Women tend to be more dominant in the emotional arenas mm. and making social decisions. And so, you know, we, and I think every, every guy that's been in a relationship has kind of had this experience too, like been in a long-term relationship, like been in love with a, with a girl has had this experience where it's like, you'll be hanging out with your buddies. Like you'll be like with your girlfriend and your buddies and you're like, ragging on each other and you're joking around and you're like telling her what to do or whatever. And then it's like the next day you're like, it's Sunday morning, you're laying in bed together, you're making all these cutesy faces and cutesy sounds, and you sit there and you're like, God, what would my guy friends think if they saw this? <laughs> and, and so, I mean, it just goes to show that, you know, it's... Um, so the point I, you're making there is that she's leading you sometimes, emotionally, yes. right? You wouldn't be making those cutesy faces unless she made one to you first and you followed. Right. And, and that in some arenas, women are, are more dominant or, or in more control, which, you know, typically is the emotional arena. And I would also argue that that's actually what we're, we're looking for. Um, you know, it's healthy relationships involve a trade-off of value. So if you're able to provide her value in areas that she may lack or, or 
have a strong need for and she's able to provide you value in areas that you lack or have a strong need for. And typically the way that plays out is that men are more dominant in the decision making and the logistical stuff and, and the financial stuff. And then women tend to be more dominant in the emotional arena because that's typically where men uh, lack on their own and, and have a higher need for. So um, what may appear as dominance to us, I think is actually, it's just a trade-off. It's a trade-off of needs. And, and I don't think there's, um, you know, and some men have a higher desire to be dominant or like a higher need for dominance. Um, and some men have a higher need for emotional connection. And again, that's fine. You know, that's, right. yeah, it's, I've, it's I've, their job. I've got an analogy for this. I guess, you know, like I, I used to work in consulting and we would have consulting teams uh, and people have different strengths, right? You know, some guy would be good yeah. at like financial modeling and other guys good at, you know, some marketing creative kind of stuff and, and, and so on. So, you know, a guy would take the lead with, the area where he was good or he was given the lead by someone else because, you know, he, he's good in that area. And in in the same way in a relationship, you know, especially it, it's more obvious in a long-term relationship, uh, of course, you know, you, you're, you're giving the lead to the, one, of the, one of the partners in some areas and like you say, maybe the finance or whatever is in the guy's domain, but the girl's taking the lead in some of the others, right? So I know my, you know, right. from my parents' generation, the typical thing was like, you know, the the father is going to take care of the finances and, and the woman's going to take care of the house, right? That doesn't exist exactly, today. Exactly, yeah. Today, I guess it's a more complex world where we have to kind of figure out where we're going to make these, you know, that we're going to part these, you know, which parts am I going to be more dominant in and which parts, you know, are you going to be more dominant in? Dominant in? And uh, in, in a way, it's a bit more of a complex world as to, you know, how, how that will all, all comes together in the end, and it might be another reason why there's more divorces and stuff because it is a bit more complex to navigate these kind of relationships where you're trying to figure each other out and to get some kind of stable, you know, alignment where it isn't all in favor of one person kind of taking taking the controlling shots. Yeah, I, absolutely. Well, and I would and I would argue that because it's a more complex, honest communication becomes even that more much more important. Um, so like right. being able to express like, you know, hey, I, I I don't like it when you assert yourself in this way and not have your partner like flip out and play these like power games with you. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, I think you know so, I, yeah, I, I, I you know, I think this is a complex topic and it's it's hard to cover it in you know in one interview. So that was part one of a two-part interview. So the next episode of this interview is going to be in next week's episode, episode 37, which will be available on Sunday, the 30th of May. So look out for that. Other updates. So I'm just putting the final touches on a review of Mark Manson's book called Models Attract Women with Honesty. And... It's a really, really good read. It's it's a good book. It's it's a whole, like a whole baiting system, and it's going to go into our top ten, which doesn't happen very often these days. So heads up on that. You know, I'm, we're going to be publishing the review sometime this week. We still have to discuss amongst the editors the exact position uh, to to make it. You know, to we still have to discuss amongst the editors which exact ranking we're going to give it, which is a, a little bit of a tricky, tricky thing to do. So it's going to, so I'll expect it'll take another four days or so before it actually goes up. But, you know, check out that review because, as I say, it's a really interesting book. To get all of the show notes, the transcripts, the, the download MP3 and links to anything we've been talking about on this show, go to datingskillsreview.com slash DSP36 and you'll find everything there. The Fast Track Manual is a learning system we put together based on the guys who got better with women the fastest. So we looked at all of the guys who got really good with women really quickly. And we looked at how they learned. So the important thing is how they learned. And we put that into seven rules in a book, and it's called Fast Track. And this is the thing that we recommend everyone start with so that you don't waste time. You can go and get this book for free, download it for free at 
datingskillsreview.com slash fast track. And there you are. I'm going to leave you with a quote from today's interview. And the quote is, seduction is a team sport, not a competition. Now, if you think about that, and potentially any experiences you've had with women that went really well, you'll probably think that, wow, they went kind of smoothly, you know, everything just seemed kind of natural. And there was this vibe between me and the girl that it was, you know, it was just kind of natural and it was easy. It was really easy. You didn't have to work at it too much, right? Well, that that is really what we're talking about here. It's 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 you and the girl working together to create this fun dynamic rather than working against each other. So this is a really useful one-liner to just keep that in mind. I'm going to leave you with it now. Seduction is a team sport, not a competition. Dating Skills Podcast is brought to you by DatingSkillsReview.com, the number one men's source for dating, sex, and relationships advice. Get the cutting-edge advice now and create your ideal dating lifestyle.